If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would urge you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. I am going to just read for you one verse this morning, uh, bearing in mind uh, Proverbs chapter 18, I think. Bearing in mind the passage from James that read for us earlier, it was interesting, there was an article in the news this week about a wildfire in Colorado. Uh, James said, see how, how uh, great a fire is started by just a small spark, and he was talking about our tongue. Uh, that wildfire in Colorado was caused by, a, I think, a school teacher who was camping and his stove fell over or something like that. It was just something little that turned into an absolutely huge fire. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. I want to talk this morning about the wisdom, the wisdom of prudent speech about our tongues, about our lips, about our mouths, the things we say, and also the things we do. Now, the tendency when you are going to hear what I'm saying this morning is to think that, okay, this is what someone else has done to me. Okay, this is, and, and you're going to be pointing the finger at someone. Yeah, that person said that, and it hurt me, and that person did this, and that person did that. Please remember that when you point your finger at someone, there are three of those puppies pointing back at yourself. This isn't about what someone else has done to you this morning. It is to a degree, but it's about you and me and what we do to each other. All right, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, and this is, uh, the Proverbs is full of, of wisdom about our speech, but this is probably the essential verse that we need to look at. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I, I made a note long time ago when I was studying this passage, those who love it. What does it refer to? And, and uh, that it is our tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death. And if you love using your tongue... You will eat its fruit, either good or bad. Talking is something that all of us do, and most of us are pretty good at it, even if we don't think we have the gift of the gab. And it gets all of us into trouble at times, which is why many of you took note of the verse in chapter 17 and verse 28, which says that even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. We like to talk. But ineffective or poor communication is the number one problem in, in business and in life. And in most families, communication can be as destructive as it is beneficial. Men and women both are guilty of saying the wrong things all the time or equally bad, not saying anything at all. Now, I am about to get myself into a whole lot of hot water here because I am going to talk about the difference between men and women. I'm talking. Women speak on the average of 25 to 50,000 words per day. But men only speak half that much, about 12,500 to 25,000. Now, 
Gary Smalley says that one of the greatest needs of a woman, Gary Smalley says, not me, okay, so don't shoot me for this. Gary Smalley says that one of the greatest needs of a woman is to feel connected. You need to feel connected to other women or to, to people around you, to your families, to your husband, to other women. And I thought about this, like why do women go to bathroom in groups? Now, I've never been invited to be a part of that group. I want to know, what do you do in there? Because when guys go to the bathroom, they do what they need to do. You look at the wall straight ahead of you, and you might say to the guy next to you, how are the riders doing? That's about it. But my hunch is that women go to the bathroom to talk. Cindy is agreeing with, thank you, Cindy. And, and guys, if you ever get the chance, sneak into a woman's bathroom. <laughs> no, but, but sneak into a women's bathroom if there's nobody in there. You know in those upscale places like the Besborough in, in Saskatoon or someplace like that? Women's bathrooms are way nicer. That They've got better lighting. They've got comfortable chairs. They've got mirrors. All the stuff that we don't, we don't have. Why? I think because they like to talk. But without effective two-way communication, the connection that a couple felt when they first got together, that connection begins to dissipate, and before long, a husband and wife don't feel connected at all. Now, Solomon teaches about the power of communicating with others. And Solomon says that our words our tone of voice, our gestures, our facial expressions, our spirit, our timing, and all those other nonverbal cues that frame our comments make a huge impact. And so this morning, I want to impress upon you this, that you and I need to carefully use our speech to give life. You and I need to use our tongues, our speech, our communication to bring life. Why is that so important? And how do you do that? Well, one of the reasons it is so important is that our tongues have great power. Let me give you an example of that. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, and those things should pop up on the screen behind me here, that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When you are faced with an angry person, when you incite anger in someone else, you have a choice to make. You can turn up the heat and fuel the fire, or you can turn down the heat and put down the flames. Now, the natural path is to follow, or the natural course of action is to follow the path of least resistance. If I meet you at the door after the service, and I'm sorry, I don't always get there because you guys block the aisles. I, I might need to duck out here. But let's say you meet me at the door this morning after the service, and as you're leaving, you kick me in the shins or in the kneecap. My natural reaction, I'm going to kick you back. Harder. But I have a choice to make. 
I have a choice to follow my natural reaction or to take it down a notch. And when someone confronts you with anger, if you have words that calm people, if you use a soft tone of voice and you use gentle gestures, you will turn down the heat. Now that may take some time. It's like in our house when Kathy says it's too hot in here and she needs to turn down the thermostat. It doesn't cool off right away. It takes a little while to ratchet things down. And if you have done something extremely offensive, people may see your softer response as a form of denial or, or condescension that you're catering to people. And you need to choose the right words that will show that you understand the degree of your offense and your desire to make it right. But a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You and I have a choice. We can ratchet it up or we can ratchet it down. Another way in which our tongues have great power is that our communication can wound or heal. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, parents are often guilty of this. Think about this. And I don't need a show of hands here this morning. But how many of you remember a specific criticism that your parents threw at you that has stuck with you for the rest of your life? How many of you remember something like that, that your mom or your dad said to you that still bothers you, that still hurts? Proverbs 12:25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man's down, but a kind word cheers him up. 16 verse 24, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You see, some people have tongues that are razor sharp and they wield those swords indiscriminately. They use it to slash while others speak words of life and healing into the lives of others. Kathy and I were in a restaurant in Prince Albert recently and some poor teenager was behind the counter serving a customer ahead or two, or a customer ahead of us. And for some reason, and I, I didn't see the particular offense, but for some reason, the customer tore a strip off that teenager. And the customer that stood between us and the other one said to this girl, you didn't deserve that. That person was totally wrong. Kind words bring healing, but harsh words are like a sword, and people sometimes use those to just slash others around them. You know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones. But let me change the rest of it for you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always stay with me. You need to be careful. Your communication, the things you and I say the stuff that comes out of your mouth can either wound or it can heal. You have a choice to make. A third reason the tongue is so powerful is that your communication can infuse life into someone's spirit. You can say something to someone that will build that person up. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, The tongue 
that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The tree of life was found in the Garden of Eden. And after Adam and Eve sinned, God said, put a guard there. Make sure that they don't have access to that tree of life because then they will live forever. And God in his mercy did not want us to live forever in this state of sin. And the tree of life disappears from the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. The tree of life is gone. But you find it again in chapter 22 of Revelation. It's there and we will have access to it. But a tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Are you, is your tongue something that brings life to another person or does it crush someone else's spirit? The deceitful tongue means to distort or to be vicious. Your tongue, my tongue, has the power to break someone's spirit. Not only does my relationship suffer with someone else, but I can scar that life forever. A fourth reason the tongue is so powerful is that your communication can save a life or it can take a life. Proverbs 18, verse 21, that's the verse we read earlier. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. Let me read you a story. This happened in Atlanta, Georgia in 2005. Brian Nichols was in court, and he killed a judge and three other people in court, and then he took a lady by the name of Ashley Smith hostage. He forced her into her apartment. And here's how it went. Here's Ashley's own testimony. She talked shooting suspect Brian Nichols into turning himself in after several hours in her apartment. It was nine hours. Nichols allowed Smith to leave and she immediately called the police. But what happened is this. She said, we went to my room. He took her hostage, forced her into her apartment. We went to my room, and I asked him if I could read. He said, what do you want to read? Well, I have a book in my room, so I went and got it. I got my Bible and a book called The Purpose Driven Life. I turned to the chapter that I was on that day. It was chapter 33, and I started to read the first paragraph of it. After I read it, he said, stop. Will you read it again? I said, yeah, I'll read it again. So I read it again to him. It mentioned something about what you thought your purchase and purpose in life was. What were you? What talents were you given? What gifts were you given to use? And I asked him what he thought, and he said, I think it was to talk to people and tell them about you. As Nichols began to open up to Smith, she told him about her life. Smith's husband was murdered four years ago. As a teen, she was arrested for shoplifting and was on probation for a year. Later came arrest for drunken driving, speeding, and battery. And I think she was a crystal meth addict at the time as well. Two days before, Smith moved into the apartment where Nichols held her hostage. She worked two jobs and recently completed a medical assistant course. Smith was returning from a store at 2.30 a.m., when Nichols held a gun to her back and forced her into the apartment. But by nine that morning, Smith convinced Nichols to allow her to pick up her daughter from Awana. Smith said she wanted to gain his trust and the two talked for several hours. She even made him pancakes for breakfast. He said he thought I was an angel sent from God, Smith said, and that I was his sister and he was my brother in Christ. 
and that he was lost, and God led him right to me to tell him that he had hurt a lot of people and the families, the people, to let him know how they felt because I had gone through it myself. Smith even showed Nichols her husband autopsy report. That's what a lot of people will have to go through now because of what you've done, she told him. You need to turn yourself in. No one else needs to die, and you're going to die if you don't. She helped Nichols believe in something beyond his immediate situation. After I started to read to him, he saw, I guess he saw my faith and what I really believed in, and I told him I was a child of God and that I wanted to do God's will. I guess he began to want to. Over breakfast, Smith said, I just talked with him a little more. We pretty much talked about God, what his reason was, why he made it out of there. I said, do you believe in miracles? Because if you don't believe in miracles, you are here for a reason. You're here in my apartment for some reason. You got out of that courthouse with police everywhere, and you don't think that's a miracle? You don't think you're supposed to be sitting here in front of me, listening to me tell you, you know, your reason here? I said, you know, your miracle could be that you need, you need to be caught for this. You need to go to prison, and you need to share the word of God with them, all the prisoners there. Words of life. She left the apartment and called the police, and they arrested Brian Nichols. He's in prison. You can speak words of life, or you can speak words of death. Your communication can bring delight to others. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's like a beautiful picture that stops you in your tracks. A word aptly spoken. You don't have to say much. But apt words stick with us like the cutting words do too as well. But apt words bring pleasure and enjoyment. And in order for you to bring an apt word into someone else's life, you need to stop thinking about yourself and think about the other person's needs, not about my needs. You know, sometimes we say, I'd like to give that person a piece of my mind. If those words have come out of your mouth, don't do it because you need all everything that you have. Don't give any of it away. But you have a choice to make. You can speak life, you can speak an apt word, or you can speak destruction. So, since the tongue is so powerful, let me give you some keys to communication. Again, you and I have choices to make. We can choose to use these keys or we can choose not to use them. When you come to this building, if you don't have a key, you can choose to go find a key somewhere or you could probably put your foot through the glass doors if you really wanted to. But the more appropriate way is to use the right key and I will give you some keys to good communication. Here's key number one. Speak in such a way that you make others want to listen. There are times that you and I talk and people just, she's talking again, like, let's get out of here. Proverbs 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Most people just say whatever they feel like saying, whether or not it's appropriate. But think about what you want to say in a way that is palatable. You know what, is, what palatable means? 
Say something in such a way that it is palatable. You know what that word means? What does it mean? It means what? Tasty, tasteful, or tasty. Something that is enjoyable. My wife, you know, when we have a function here, my wife makes this stuff called Danish pastry. There's never any leftover when we leave here because it's palatable, it's tasty. Speak words that are palatable. A wise man or wise woman does whatever it takes to make what they have to say easy to swallow. If you make something, if you say something to someone that is hard to swallow, they're not going to swallow it. They're going to regurgitate it. They're going to throw it up. They're going to leave it laying on the street. If you have something wise to say, say it to someone in such a way that it is palatable. Speak in such a way that you make others want to listen. Key number two, learn to become persuasive. Proverbs 16, verse 23, a wise man's heart guards his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Here's how this works. Don't just talk because you feel like talking, but take control of what you say. Learn when to speak and when not to speak. In other words, put your brain in gear before your mouth starts moving. Key number three. Here's a good one. Your mama told you this when you were a little kid. Listen before speaking. Your mama told you you have two ears and one mouth, right? You know, how, how many of you is that new to? Two ears and one mouth. Ken? I doubt it. I'll talk to you after. Proverbs 18, verse 3, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. And when you answer someone before they're done talking, it is both foolish and rude, and you'll wind up jumping to the wrong conclusions. Listen. And here's a good one for, for, for husbands and wives. Wives need to get those 50,000 words out, guys. Let them talk. But ladies... Guys have stuff to say too, so let us talk. You know, here's a good one. You know, your, your wife, guys, your wife will come to you and she wants to talk about stuff. And, and so she's, uh, and, and now my wife, of course, isn't guilty of this, so I'm just, I just know this purely from theory, okay? Not, not from, but go around and around and around and around the thing. Like, you know, the dog, just going around and, 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 you know, and she'll often, Kathy in, in my life has learned to say, I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. But I like fixing stuff. Okay, guys like to fix stuff. So, so ladies, when you, you know, when you need to talk, then please be courteous enough at the end to say to your husband, okay, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And he says, oh boy, I get to fix it. Doesn't mean you have to do it. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. And in the same vein, number four, I think it is, be slow to speak and guard your words carefully. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The wisest man who ever lived wrote these words. 
I wonder he was, if he was surrounded by people that live, love to talk. And think about this. You can't, you cannot unring a bell, right? You cannot unring a bell. And once a word has left your lips, it's too late. Can't take it back. You can say stuff as, oops, I was only kidding. One of my buddies and I in Bible school, we, we were pretty good at cutting each other, you know. And then one day he said to me, um, he says, uh, you know, he said, I think we should bury the war hatchet. Like, like he and I were, were, you know, we took a lot of jabs at each other like guys do. He says, I think we should bury the war hatchet right in your forehead. And, um, but you know, even in, in our kidding, um, there's a lot of cutting. And we need to be careful about the things that we say. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? Sometimes it's better. They say it's easier to swallow your words than to eat them afterwards. Because once it's left your lips, you can't take it back. Key number five, never tear others down, but rather build them up. Proverbs 12, verse 18, we talked about this already a little bit, but reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Anybody can slice and dice with their tongue. You don't need to be a genius to do that. It's easy to say things that cut, either to people's faces or behind people's backs. And by the way, if you're talking with someone that is slicing someone else to ribbons, think about this. If you are talking with someone who is slicing somebody else to ribbons, that same person will slice you to ribbons when they're talking with somebody else. Reckless sword words pierce like a sword. And so you and I have to choose to act contrary to our natural inclinations, replace negative words with positive ones. If you're in the company of someone who is slicing and dicing someone else, all it takes for you to turn the conversation around is to say something good that the other, about the person the other one is cutting down. Now it takes guts and courage to say that, and you may not have a whole lot of good things to say, particularly if both of you don't like the other person, but you can turn the conversation around. Number six, key number six, stop while you're ahead. Proverbs chapter nine, 10, verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. And if you keep talking after you've made your point, you're liable to say something dumb. And he or she who makes a strong point with only a few words is highly esteemed by those who are around. Stop while you're ahead. When words are many, sin is not absent, and sometimes we simply just need to put a cork in it. Number seven, key number seven, share genuine wisdom. There are times to keep silent, but there are times to speak up. 
Proverbs 10, verse 31, the first part, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. And here's where we as grandfathers and grandmothers, you as fathers and mothers and mentors and managers should be generous in sharing the wisdom of your experience with your children, with your grandchildren, with your employees and those about whom they care. Now, some people have complained, I have all these things to teach people, but nobody is coming to me to be taught. I wonder why that is. Maybe you're not approachable. Maybe you use the wrong words. Maybe it's your attitude. But sometimes saying the right thing or doing the right thing can make all the difference in the lives of somebody. Shortly after Kathy and I were married, I was working in a sawmill in northern BC and I got promoted to drive um, or to operate a piece of equipment, a large log loader, and it would unload a truck of logs in three bites. And it was the biggest thing that was going at the time, and I was flailing around and having a bear of a time. And one of the best operators on the claim, and I worked with this man for years afterwards in the bush and, and a number of other different places, and he said to me one day, he became my mentor, and he said to me one day, he says, why don't you park your machine and jump in mine, and I'll show you a few things. And those were his words. And he taught me stuff that 40 years later, I still remember. He taught me things about finesse and, and, and how to do things without forcing things and, and, and breaking things and how to be a more skillful operator. And because that person was willing to share his knowledge and his skills and his experience with me, I became a better loader operator. Now that can happen anywhere else. You and I can watch someone. Uh, one of the things we used to do when I worked in the bush in logging camp, we always made fun of the greenhorns. I mean, maybe you've been in places like that. You know, someone else comes in and they don't know nothing. And, and, and you know, it's funny. You, you, you make jokes about them and you, you play pranks on them. But sooner or later, someone goes up to a greenhorn usually and says to that person, and, and kind of maybe literally or maybe figuratively puts their arm around that person's shoulder and say, hey, you know what? Everybody's a greenhorn at one time, and, and so was I. Let me show you a few things. And you and I as parents can do that. It depends on our attitude. You know, well, you would never do anything right. If you do it the way I would have told you to, you wouldn't have gotten into trouble. See, now you're in trouble. I told you to. You know, how do you think that's going to go over? Probably not very well. But you can be a mentor. You can share with others. And then the last key is to always speak truthfully. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. You know, it's interesting that most people lie on their resumes when they go to find a job. Did you notice in the news, I don't know if you saw this this last week, but there's a shoe company, and I forget the name of it in the States. I think they paid a billion-dollar settlement here last week. Did you see that one? Paid a billion-dollar settlement because they advertised that their shoes would tone your hiney. And it didn't. And, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, false advertising. I mean, like, um, Red Green, that famous Canadian philosopher that we all love or love to hate. 
Red Green said one time, he said, you know, he said, if you tell the truth, he said, you can quit talking anytime. But if you lie, he said, you just have to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. It never quits. And if lying is foolishness, then telling the truth is smart. So, why should I do this stuff and put it into action? We don't like this first result very much because it sounds um, kind of selfish and prideful. But there is, you know, if you put Proverbs into action, there is material success tied to that. Proverbs 18, verse 20, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled with the harvest from his lips. He is satisfied. There is material blessing involved in putting Proverbs into action. You will find joy and fulfillment. Proverbs 15, verse 23 says, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply. In other words, you have there, there's a sense of satisfaction when, when you start building into the lives of others. If, if all you do is tear other people down, you are going to be a miserable, grouchy, rotten person. But if you are the kind of person who builds other people up, you will find inside yourself a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment that you can't get any other way. Now, when let's say you see someone here, and you say, you know, that person is up here, and, and I think I'm better than that person. So, so here's how I do it. I can make myself better than that person. How do I do it? Usually what we do is, is we get up here and we shoot, and, and, and we push that other person down so that I look better. Or you can choose to build that other person up. And when you build that other person up, you are built up yourself and you will feel much better. It's crazy. But the, it's a paradox. It's one of those, those strange things of the Bible. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, lose it. If you want to be better than someone else, build into the life of that person. You want to find peace and satisfaction, make someone else look good. And you will also gain the friendship of those around you. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 11. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. And your integrity and your ability to communicate wisely, your prudent speech creates a foundation upon which all friendship levels can be built. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. If you are someone who is snipping at other people, don't be surprised if you don't have a whole lot of friends. So, my words of wisdom to you this morning, check what comes out of your mouth. Listen to yourself. Choose what you're going to say. Pick your words carefully. Build up other people instead of tearing them down. Use soft answers. Ratchet down the heat. Put out the flames. Use the tools wisely. 
oh, if we would use these principles of communication in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we go in our churches, how much easier, how much better life would be. And I trust that God will give you the wisdom and the willingness to do that. So, in response to that, we are going to sing three verses of this song, number 152, Take My Life and Let It Be. And I would like you to... Now, this is not something that you're going to walk out of here and succeed at immediately. It's a learning process. And so here's a prayer, this song, and we are going to sing verses, what is it? 1, 3, and 4. But verse 3 says this, Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. And I trust that you and I can ask that, pray that, in all honesty. Let's stand together, sing verses 1, 3, and 4. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them It's easy to sit here and listen to these words from your word. And it's easy to sing those words like we just did. But it's going to be a whole lot harder to leave this building and to put all this stuff into practice. Lord, impress upon us the things we have heard this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the one who inspired Solomon to write these words of wisdom. Please help us to not only hear them, but to use them and to make our lives better and the lives of those around us. Father, thank you for teaching us. Grant us the wisdom and the willingness to put it into practice. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. We're dismissed.